It's all started in the first century with Jesus and his apostles. And within one generation, people from all over the Mediterranean world are giving up everything they own, everything they have. They're risking their lives, they're risking their own families to be a part of this group. This group that is filled with heroes of the faith, with with emperors who have converted to Christ, with missionaries who ran to the ends of the world to tell of this message, with reformers who stake their lives on the truth, with martyrs who love not their own lives to the death. There is no people like the people of God. Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. We hope you'll enjoy this sermon from our series, Ecclesia, a study on the church. For more information, visit our website, cbcsavannah.com. Right, and it's not just heroes. It is faithful, no-name saints from every country under heaven, generation after generation, who have toiled and suffered and loved and served their God. We are in week three of a four-week series. We've called it Ecclesia. It is this the Greek word for church. And what we've really been doing, and this is something, if you've been here for a while, you know this, but about every year, we know, but we sometimes need to be reminded. And so uh, we started this series just two weeks ago, just really saying this is what a church is. Um, we want to all be swimming in the same direction. We all want to know what God has called us to do because we can be real busy and doing a lot of stuff, but not be real effective. And so we want to make sure that we are all on the same page at what we are doing. And so where we started a couple weeks ago was that the church is not just a place it is not something that you do. It is not a social club you join to make business connections, right? It is the people of God that through a common faith and a common Savior who ransomed us, uh, uh, through a common Holy Spirit who indwells us, uh, we gather on the mission of God to accomplish the mission of God. And so what we looked at last week is that this is kind of how we have summarized our mission statement in our mission statement as a church. And it's simple, it's simple and it's short. And I want you to read it with me because we want you to know what we are about and remember, all right? So here we go. CBC exists to glorify God by equipping people to follow Christ through community and the Bible. All right, that is our mission. That is our method as well. So we exist to glorify God, to give him weight, to give him glory, to make his name great. How do we do that? We equip people to follow Jesus. A disciple is just a follower. And that you are a follower of Jesus, not just for an hour and a half on Sunday morning. That in your life, you're doing the life of ministry. That is our job. And so we do that. How? Two, two supernatural things that God has given us. His word and the church. Both things sourced in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so these are our, our, that's our method. That's what we're about, right? And that's what we've been talking about. Um, and so far, really, we've kind of been at the 35,000 foot level when we're talking about church, right? Kind of big picture. But what we're gonna do today is kind of zoom in and get a little bit closer, all right? We're gonna get a little bit closer and kind of get a little bit deeper in what kind of God has called us here to. A couple um, months ago, took my car into the shop just to get the regular checkup, tire rotation, oil change, all those things. And they, you know, at the end they're like, okay, you got a couple things, you know, you got a battery, you need to replace your battery, you got an air filter and all these things. They're like, you want us to do that for you? I was like, no, I do not. Because I'm a man and I do things myself. I know what AutoZone is. I'm gonna get in the zone. And so I went... So I went to the auto zone, I got in the zone, I get up to the thing, I said, 
I need me a battery and an air filter. Okay, what kind of car, sir? It's a manly car. It's a four cylinders, Honda, 30 miles to the gallon. I said, I need that. They said, okay, here it is. You want us to put that in for you? I said, no, because I'm a man, and I put it in myself. So I went out, and I, got, I had to come back because I didn't have ratchets. <laughs> Can I uh, borrow some of y'all's ratchets? Yeah, here you go, man. And I go back out, and until I undo my thing, and, and, I, and then I realized that I had dropped one of the bolts, and so I got to go back in. I'm like, I need to buy some bolts because I dropped the bolt. Went back out, put that new bolt on, battery in, air filter in, shut the lid. I'm a man. Feeling good about myself. I preached a couple sermons that morning, changed the battery in the afternoon. It was a good Sunday. All right, so I take the stuff back in. I get into the car, turn the keys, give it some gas, and off I go. So I'm going to listen to some radio. Hit the radio. It says, no power. It says something about a code. A code. Then I look on my dashboard and every single light. I, it, look, it looked like emojis everywhere. I didn't, even, I didn't even recognize some of these things. I'm like, what is that? I've never seen that before. Right? And, then, and the car is idling real, real poorly. And I'm like, what have I done? So I get home. I lift the hood up. I look underneath. Everything looks normal. I know, I close the hood, I try to start it off. I can't even start the car without flooring it every time. I have to floor it and give it gas. I'm like, what is going on? And so I drive around for two days like that because I don't go back because I'm a man. <laughs> right? And finally, I pull up at the church two days later, and one of our guys here, Dan Riddell, who knows cars, I said, tell me what I've, do I've done. He lifts the hood. Like 13 seconds later, he's like, try it now. All the emojis are gone. Everything's normal. I'm like, what did, you, what did you do? There was one little wire that in my elbowing this air filter in had come undone. And that one little wire was making all the emojis, was messing up the radio, was making the car almost stall out every time I was idling. All right, what we're gonna do today is, as I said, zoom in and, and check under the hood of this deal. Because, you know, it's all flashy sometimes on the outside. We like the outside of a car, right? Oh, that looks great. Got nice rims. You can wash it up. But what makes the car go is under the hood, right? And there's nothing glamorous under the hood. And typically the only time we check under the hood is when we're on the side of the road. Like, what happened? And we don't want it to get to that point. So what we're going to do today is kind of check under the hood and make sure all the wires are connected. Because this, the wires that make this thing run smoothly, right? And there's two specific wires that make this deal. The local church runs smoothly. And if they're not plugged in, it's going to be a rough ride. We're going to find ourselves on the side of the road. And so what we're going to do today is just talk about those two things. And again, this is not a glamorous sermon, y'all. If you're looking for the greatest sermon ever preached, this is not it. Doubtful that many of you are going to be like, i got to go podcast that one again. That was phenomenal. <laughs> right? Because there's nothing glamorous about it. But I will tell you this. In the long term, this sermon probably will have more impact if people get it than the greatest David and Goliath, Elijah and the prophets of Baal sermon. Because right, this is foundational to who we are. All right? So there's two wires we're going to talk about today. 
right? You could call them two ships, but then I'd be mixing my metaphors, and that would be bad preaching, right? But they both end in the word ship. Here's the, here's the two wires. Ready? Nothing glamorous about them. Leadership and membership. Leadership and membership. All right? Let's talk about leadership first, Okay? And here's this, this, this leadership wire, it is a super small wire. Percentage-wise, you're talking less than 1% of the congregation. I mean, it's a little itty-bitty wire. But I will tell you this, if this wire is not plugged in, if this wire is not connected, the whole deal falls apart. Whole deal. Right? Because as go the leaders, so go the church. Every time. Can't escape it. Right, turn, if you have a Bible, to the book of Titus real quick. Titus is a little three-chapter book in the New Testament. You can find it in, your, in your, um, the references in the front. Or you can just follow. I just got a couple verses out of this book. I preached this book a couple years back. The book is ultimately about the Apostle Paul went to the island of Crete. He planted a bunch of churches. The Cretans, as they were called, were a bunch of rowdy people. I mean, they had all sorts of chaos in these churches on the island of Crete. They got older folks acting like younger folks. They had people stealing from their boss. They had disrespect. They were arguing about all these little minor areas of theology. The church was a mess. And so what Paul does is he sends this guy named Titus, this kind of rough, he is the Navy SEAL Christian guy, right? He does not drive a hybrid. He drives a Bronco, he wears Wranglers, not skinny jeans. He has five o'clock shadow and drinks his coffee black. That's this kind of guy. And he goes to the island of Crete and Paul says, I have sent you there to fix the mess. This is what he says in Titus 1.5. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and to appoint elders in every town as I directed you. The goal of Paul leaving this guy on the island of Crete was to bring this chaos into order. And the first thing that he does to bring chaos into order is to establish leaders, elders. Now, here, here's the thing. Many of you come from all these different church backgrounds. Some of you come from no church background, which is the best because you're a blank slate. A lot of you come from other church backgrounds, which is kind of a challenge sometimes because some of this stuff is new. And when we're talking church leadership and church structure, there's really, I mean, this is oversimplistic, but there's three major types of way churches are run in the world, all right? And there's hybrids of each, but kind of three major categories. I just want, want you to see these because some of you are coming from them. And so, you know, this might be familiar to you. But the first is called what we call the Episcopalian model. Doesn't mean you're an Episcopal or an Anglican, but it's called the Episcopalian model. It's based on the word episkopos in the Greek, which just means bishop or overseer. And in this model, what you have is a really cool high up dude with a great hat, all right? And he's got great clothes too. He's got a robe and some fancy stuff and a cane and smoke, all right? But he is the top dog. And he has some guys under him called bishops and they run cities or states, okay? You got the bishop of, you know, Savannah and the bishop of whatever. And then those guys are over a bunch of churches. They got four, five, six, seven churches that have a rector and the rector's over a congregation. All right, so this is kind of the strategy in the Episcopalian model, all right? And so you come from this, maybe you're Lutheran, Methodist, Anglican, um, the Roman Catholic Church follows this structure, uh, all, 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 these, all these different places. So, so this is very popular. All right, second model is called the congregational model. 
Um, I call it the God bless the USA because it is based on a democracy model, basically, where the congregation calls all the shots. Now, you have a pastor, a deacon, council, officers, whatever, committees, out the wazoo. You have all these things, but ultimately, you vote on everything. Vote on the pastor. Boop. Vote on the deacons. Boop. Vote on Pepsi or Coke. Boop. You want this temperature on 73 or 75? All right, the 73s, raise your hand. I mean, almost sometimes, not, this is a little bit exaggeration, but sometimes it gets excessive. But this is what we call the congregational model, where the, the authority rests in the congregation. And it's based on a democracy kind of idea or they, to spiritualize and say, well, everybody's a priest. So everyone's a priest in Christ's kingdom and so we should all be in charge. And so that's kind of the model. And you'll see, um, you know, some evangelical free, some Southern Baptists, some Assemblies of God, uh, Pentecostals. This is sometimes the model you'll see there, okay? And then the third model you'll see is what's called the Presbyterian model based on the Greek word presbyteros, which just means elder, all right, and so in the Presbyteros, in the elder or the Presbyterian church, if it's a denomination, for instance, like the PCA, you'll have a general assembly which is made up of every single elder, and then they'll have a presbytery, and that'll be like the elders in Savannah, and then you know every presbytery has different churches, and in each church there's elders over that church, and so depending on if it's a denomination or not, the structure can go all the way to the top, even though there's no guy with a funny hat. There's a bunch of guys with funny hats. Um, not necessarily, but um, all the elders make up the general assembly who then dictate what's going on in the seminary. Uh, the non-denominational church functions just in this. There is a session of elders with a congregation. Okay? Just that one little section. All right? Where there's elders and there's a congregation. These are the big three. And there's hybrids and kind of mix and match kind of things. But these are kind of the big three idea. Episcopal, Presbyterian, and congregational run. And, and look, there's good churches in all of them. The gospel is being preached in all of them. There is godly men in all of them. But if you get down to the scripture, if you just, I mean, if you look at what the early church did, if you study what they were doing, that third model, that Presbyterian model, whoa, it's not there. No, it's congregational. That, that's what's closest aligns with what scripture says. Where there is a group of men called elders who shepherd the local church, right? That, that's what they're doing. Again, back to Titus 1.5. He said, this is why I left you in Crete. You might put what remain in order and appoint elders, presbyteros. And then just a few verses later, he, he, he says, and these elders, or now he uses the word overseers. An overseer, this is the Greek word, episkopos. They are used interchangeably. The idea of, of bishop, elder, all these different things, they all are talking about the same office, all right? They're all talking about the same guy, in essence, just different aspects of his role. You also see him called shepherd, sometimes pastor, teacher, whatever it is. But the point is, there was a group of men who were to shepherd their local body, and this is what you see throughout the New Testament, by the way, in Acts, this is what you see. In Philippians, this is what you see. In the Ephesians, this is what Timothy was in Ephesus. In the book of 1 Timothy, in the book of Titus, in the book of Peter, in the book of James, this is what you see. Is there's, there's elders shepherding the church. A group of men who are qualified, and that is key. Where are the qualifications? It's not who has the most money. It's not who's the best looking. It's not who the most popular. It's not who just wants to be. The qualifications are listed in two places, 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. 
And ultimately, they have nothing to do with how good of a businessman you are. They have everything to do with character. Are you above reproach? Right, that's that's the, the overarching characteristic. That these men who are qualified will shepherd and lead the local church. Right? And here's the advantage of that, of this model. Number one, it's localized. You don't have some guy living in Texas telling you what to do. Right? I think this is how you ought to do the church. Really? Have you ever been to Savannah? No, but I've seen it on the internet. Well, that's great. It's a localized group of men who are, know what's going on in the local context of that community, in that congregation. Okay? That's, that's a big deal. There is a plurality amongst elder-led when there's more than one. It's always more than one, by the way. It's never just one because there is accountability in that. Right? How many times have you seen Superman pastor his church? He falls. Why? Because there was no accountability. He's stealing money, he's doing this, he's way arrogant, it's all about him and his vision and his this and his that. And, and this eliminates that when there is plurality, when there is all these guys in the room. There can't be tyranny, it can't be celebrity natured. There's equality in it. There's no elder with a capital E and the little, little elder, big elders. Oh, Bill, he's clearly the best looking, he should be in charge. <laughs> I mean, no, there's none of that. There is equality. There's a difference in gifts, but there is definitely uh, equality, right? And it's, it's huge. Another, one, another biggie is it doesn't let majority rule be the director of the church. Let me just tell you, nothing good ever happens with majority rule. I'm just telling you. I'm, it, it just doesn't. Not in... Not, not in the church, because in the church you have people that are walking with Jesus, you have people that are immature, the people that are new Christians, you have people that, that just don't know what's going on. If you just say, oh, what should we do? Everyone, let's just, talk, let's just ask everybody what we should do. And no one's ever gonna agree. Here's the funny thing about the church. We, on every given Sunday, will hear many opinions from different people, and they will often be exactly opposite. So someone's gonna come up and say, man, the, the music sounded perfect today. And this person's gonna come over here, man, it was way too loud. And this person's like, man, you need to turn it up. All on the same Sunday. So who should we listen to? The guy that says, turn it up. Yeah. That's what I'm talking yeah. <laughs> okay? I mean, but that, that's how it rolls here. All right? It's just how it works. And so you, you can't go by majority rule. You just can't, or we'd go nowhere. Just like in, in your home, if you went by majority rule, moms, what would your kids eat every night? Pizza. Right? If the teacher goes by majority rule, we're going to never have an exam. It's just the way it is. So we're always going to pick what's best for me. So it allows for there to be wise, qualified men to shepherd the church spiritually. And, and again, that's where we fall. That CBC is an elder-governed, okay, staff-led church. And what that means is the elders cast the vision and give the oversight, and the staff carries that out on the daily basis. Because only three out of our eight current elders actually are on staff at the church. So five of our later elders are lay elders that have jobs just like you that are out in, in, in the society somewhere doing different things. Only three are here. So the, so the elders cast the vision and they, and they make that clear and then the staff carries that out on a daily basis. That's, that's how we are right now. And, and just so you, 
this is, I know this is, this is important for some of you to understand. Some of you, this is new, and you're like, yeah, I've been here for a while, I get it. Some of you are like, what does that mean? I don't even know. Elders sounds like an old guy, and, and I don't know what that means. What does an elder do? Well, there's, the scripture is clear. Let me just give you a couple expectations and, and non-expectations of what an elder does. Let's start with the non, okay? What, what is not expected of elders? Or, or if you expect these things, you'll greatly be greatly disappointed. Number one, don't expect the elders to be perfect, all right, because they are sinners and they have a savior and his name is Jesus. Now, are they supposed to model maturity? Absolutely. But I can tell you this, if you think that these guys, their, their kids are never gonna do something dumb, then you don't have kids. If you think that they're never gonna have a fight with their spouse, then they never got married. All right, they're not perfect. They're just not. And they're not going to make every decision. We're not going to make every We've made many decisions. We're like, well, we'll do that again. All right. Are they godly? Yes. Are they perfect? No. And if you expect them to be perfect, you'll be greatly disappointed and leave the church disenfranchised because I can't believe that blah, blah, blah. And, and you're having false expectations of a leader. All right. Number two, they're not omniscient. Okay. Now, only one of us is a PE major, so they are smarter, most of them, than me. But... Um, they are not omniscient. They don't know everything. They don't know all your kids' names and their birthdays. And they never will, because most of them don't know their own. <laughs> they don't know everything about, what kind of grape juice do y'all use? And I don't, yeah, the, the purple kind. They, the things that matter, they know, but they don't know everything. You ask one of them, if, you, if a toilet is overflowing, they're the last guys to go to, unless it's Greg. Don't go to, don't go to you know, J.G. or asking him to fix your toilet or Virgil. God help you if you ask Virgil to help it. <laughs> Were you up there, Virgil? But they don't, they don't know everything, but they do know what matters. They're not omnipresent. You, you know, you want them at your, your kid's recital on next Thursday night. They're probably not going to get there, right? But uh, they will be there when they're needed. Um, they will be there to pray for the sick if you let them know. And, and that is your job, by the way, according to James 5, for you to let the elders know. You get sick, you don't tell anybody, you get all mad that no one came and prayed for you, how are they gonna know? Actually, it's a little bit of a false understanding of what the church is anyway, because any one of you can pray for the sick. There's no magic in the elders, they pray for the sick. and get, uh, No, you, everybody is to pray for the sick. In fact, the, the, when this church is running at its best, I find out a week or two later, hey, so-and-so had surgery. And they're already home and we had meals for them and they're all taken care of and we had babysitting. When I hear that, that gets me excited. Not because I'm lazy and I don't want to go pray for somebody, but because that's the body caring for the body. That's the way it's supposed to work, right? That is the way it's supposed to work. But, but so those are a couple of the false expectations that we have. What can you expect from leadership? What can you expect from elders? Number one, we will feed the sheep. Our number one job. Jesus said, you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep. What happens when sheep don't eat? They get tired and weary and grumpy and they start biting other sheep and they're not fun to be around. You know why so many people in churches are grumpy? Because they're not being fed. And they just fight about everything. Right? They just fight. It is the job of the shepherd to feed the sheep. And if I cease to feed the sheep, then the elders will fire me and they should. Right, Because it's, that is our job to, to shepherd Jesus' little lambs. Right? In doing that, we will also call out false teaching and we will protect from wolves. 
Because one of the jobs of the shepherd is to protect from the wolves. And there's many of them. I mean, Paul in Acts 20, he tells the Ephesian elders, I'm about to leave, and as soon as I leave, I know that false teachers, I know that wolves, savage wolves, will come in here and try to tear you up. So you shepherds, you take care of that. It is the job of the shepherd to call out false teaching. It is the job of the shepherd to point out truth. And more and more and more, truth is going to be in the face of the culture. And we're going to say things in here that are not popular. And that is okay. That is the job of the shepherd. It is not the job of the shepherd to be liked by the sheep per se. In fact, Jesus says, woe to you if everyone speaks kindly and greatly of you. Woe to you. Sometimes we've got to call out false teaching. We as your elders, as your shepherds, will use the finances of the church for the kingdom and for Christ's glory. We will not use it for our own. That's why one of the qualifications of an elder is they cannot be fond of money. They can't love, be a lover of money because then they can take the money. And so what we're going to do is we are going to be good stewards of what God has given us. And I tell you, we got some great guys and, and, and people on staff that are great with us. I'm the cheapest guy here, so you know I ain't buying anything expensive but we are not gonna waste God's money. It is his, not ours, and we're gonna use it wisely, right? We're gonna use it wisely. It's what we're called to do, and we're gonna, we're gonna build the kingdom. We can count on us. If you come to us and let, you know, let us know, we will come pray for you, right? We'll, we, we do it all the time. We'll bring people into an elders meeting. We'll anoint them with oil. We'll pray for them, just like James 5 says. We have seen people healed, Nobody has the gift of healing, I'm not, but we have seen God answer and people healed through prayer. And if that is you, grab us on a Sunday morning after the service, call the church, set up a time. We will come to you. If you can, we would, it would be our privilege to pray for you. That's what we do. We will, as your shepherds, lead by following. And what I mean by that is we follow Christ. This is, Jesus is the senior pastor of this church. We are the under shepherds and we will follow his lead. And sometimes that gets people a little bit frustrated because we don't move as fast as we could. That's just because we're waiting on Jesus to lead. Like when we were in the old building, we didn't know what we were gonna do. And people are like, what are we gonna do? And we're looking at different things. We're like, we don't know. God hasn't shown us yet, so we're just waiting. And some people got frustrated, but we, we didn't have a clear direction from God. We're not gonna move until we have clear direction because ultimately us eight men, will one day stand before the chief shepherd and he will say, how did you tend my sheep? And we will give an account for how we shepherded this body, for how we used the money, for how we prayed for people, for how we taught scripture. And so we take that very seriously. And you can count on us to joyfully and willingly and eagerly love you and love the church and love Christ. Like I love that you guys let me be one of your pastors. I love this church. Love being here every Sunday, love teaching. Hope you love it, because we love y'all. Uh, love being here, love serving. And the men that you have as your elders, let me tell you, they love this church and they love you. And they give willingly hours and hours and hours and hours thinking about you and praying for you and directing and, and just voluntarily doing it because they love y'all. It's, it's an essential wire. Doesn't get a lot of glamor. But if this wire is not plugged in, I'm telling you y'all, the, the car is broke. And I can tell you, I've seen it more, so many times. Churches get sidetracked. Why? Because the leaders get distracted by something that is not essential. Maybe something that's kind of important, but something that's not essential. Or they, or they are more concerned about making people happy. Or, and, or they rush into decisions that are clearly not biblical, that are clearly man-made. 
I'm telling you, in the church, why do you think you have so many empty churches? Why do you think these big buildings that have 50 people in them? Because somebody somewhere lost the vision of what they're called to do. So please pray for your, just once or twice a week, please, we pray for your elders, pray for the church staff, constantly under attack, constantly, that we would just have clarity and, and hear what God the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. It's a small, tiny little wire that's so easy to miss, but if this puppy's unplugged, I'm telling you, it's devastating to the body, right? That's the first wire, first ship. Second one is membership. Right? And this is a bigger wire. This is kind of like the battery cable. Membership. And I know what some of y'all are thinking right now because I read the blogs and everything. Some of you are thinking, well, membership is not in the Bible. Right? I, mean, I know some of you are thinking that because you tell us. All right? And I read the blogs. And, and there's this kind of movement out here that, you know, membership is not biblical. And, and when the church gets organized, it loses its power. And, you know, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. And, I, and you know, there's all these little catchphrases that are out there. And, and, and here's the thing. You are correct in saying that membership is never commanded in Scripture. You are right about that. There's a lot of things we do that are not commanded that are good. Community groups are not commanded Nurseries are not commanded. Church secretaries are not commanded. Praise teams are not commanded. We do a lot of things that are not commanded in Scripture, but here's the thing. It is assumed. When, the, when these letters to the churches are written, when Paul is writing them to the church in Ephesus, Philippi, Corinth, wherever, there's not a thousand churches in Corinth. You know how many there are? One. You're either in it or you're not. Right? There's no First Baptist of Corinth, and they didn't have the cool names like we do now, like Reverb Church and Connection Church and The Grove. I mean, they didn't have all those then. And if you went to the, I don't even know if there is a, I'm sure there's a Grove. I know there's a connection. I'm not making fun of the names. My point is, there's only one church at this point. There's not a thousand options. It's not, well, if I don't like that, I can go to there and I can go to there. There's one church. You are either in or you are out. Here, you leave a church. There's one there. There's one there. There's one there. I can go anywhere. Not then. So it was clear. And the idea that the early church was not organized is also a misnomer. Because in the book of Acts, constantly it says a thousand souls were added, three thousand souls were added. Someone's keeping some sort of record somewhere. Even in 1 Timothy 5, when Paul is saying, okay, here's, here's the kind of widow I want you to take care of. There is a structure to their widow program. This is the kind of widow. This is the one we're going to support. This is the one we're not going to support. And here's why. There is structure in the early church. There is some sort of organization. So that's a misnomer, right? right. And, and so there's some sort of deal going on here. So this idea that membership is not, is not really biblical is, is not actually true. Turn, if you have a Bible, the book of Hebrews. If not, I have the slide. But here's, here's just kind of baseline support for what we're talking about here. Book of Hebrews, written to the Hebrew Christians um, of the first century. And here's what the writer says to them. He says, obey your leaders and submit to them for the keeping watch over your soul as those who will have to give an account. Now, leaders there is not talking the president, the mayor, the governor. He's talking about church leaders. Right, that's the context. He has just said to them, don't forsake assembling, don't forsake gathering. So he's talking context church. Then he says, obey your leaders and submit to them. They're keeping watch over your soul. 
They're going to give an account. Now, here's the big question. If there is no formal commitment, if there is no understood membership in the early church, then who are they supposed to listen to? I mean, just anybody? Are you supposed to just listen to anybody that calls himself bishop, pastor, elder? Are you going to listen to those wackos from Westboro Baptist Church to say, oh, you need to come to all these funerals and, and picket with us? Because his name's pastor. If there's no understood membership, then who are you supposed to listen? Who are you supposed to call to submit to? You're supposed to listen to Kenny? Great dude, but he's, he's across the street. You're supposed to listen to, uh, you know, Terry downtown at IPC? Is, is that who, if he said, or, or how about Cam out, at, 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 out in uh, Southside? Which elder are you called to listen to? If there is no defined membership, then you have no clue, Right? And for that matter, just on the flip side, it says that us as elders are going to give an account. Who am I going to give account for? Everybody who ever walks by the church? Or is, is it the guy who comes once every six weeks? Am I going to give an account for him? Am I going to give an account for what they're doing over at that church in their Sunday school or how that church over there spends their money? Or, oh, that guy said something that's, that's heresy in his pulpit. Am I giving an account for that or am I giving an account for this church? See, without a commitment, it is impossible for us to answer any of these questions. It just is, right? Am I, am I accountable for the guy? There's this guy, maybe it's one of y'all using a false name, that calls and argues with Cain about the Trinity every couple weeks, right? Is that any of y'all? No. <laughs> one time I think they got rad. That was not a good conversation. But are we accountable for that guy? See, again, there is, yes, there's not a command. That's because it's assumed, there's a lot of things that are assumed in the New Testament that you belong, that you are committed, right? And again, it just, from a shepherding aspect, this it makes what we do so much more important. For instance, someone comes and asks for money all the time, every day. Who should we give the money to? I can tell you, 100 out of 100 times, if it's one of our own, we're going to help them. I mean, I got this guy over here, his car's broken down. I got this random dude that shows up and he wants... Gas money to Statesboro, because everyone for, the, for some reason is going to Statesboro. <laughs> Who am I going to help? I'm going to help this guy. He's one of ours. Maybe I'll give that guy, but I'm definitely helping one of our own. Isn't that what you want us to do with the resources God's given us? To help the body? Yes. That's what we do. How do we know? We, because because they're, they're committed. They're belonging. It's counseling. I mean, we have all sorts of people that need counseling, and people will just come in off the street, we need counseling. Well, we're not going to spend a lot of time counseling some that's not one of our own, because there's no authority. I mean, what if we say, okay, I want you to go home and do this, and they come back the next week, did you do what I said? No. Well, why are you coming? There's no authority structure if it's just random whatever. No commitment. How about our kids? Don't you want us to know who is working with your children right now? Do you want them to know that there is a credible testimony of conversion in their life? Or you just want, hey, this guy across the street said, hey, he worked with kids 20 years ago. I'm going to throw him in there. It, it's a protection for the body, for us, and for you. It's for your good. It's for your benefit. The reason, you know why the reason people in America don't really like the idea of, of, of membership or commitment to a church? is because we don't like authority and we don't like accountability. Because we rebelled to start our country. And we've been doing it ever since. I mean, I'm not saying we were wrong. I don't want to be British or anything, okay? <laughs> Although I do like the Beatles. But point being, we do not like authority. We do not like accountability. We don't like anyone telling me. You can tell me what to do for an hour on Sunday. But I don't want you, I don't want you 
dealing with that. That's why. But these are things that God has given us for good. These are things modeled in the Trinity, by the way. There is, there is authority in the Trinity where the Son submits himself to the Father. There is accountability and committingness to one another. They are one. We're just modeling God. So, so when you join a church in a low commitment culture, it says something about your commitment that you are not a consumer. Because church is not, this is not, it may look a little like a movie theater, it's not. The job, your job is not to come in, yeah, I thought the music was this. And I, you know, and I, in Bill's sermon, you know, I thought the stories were clear, but I could, he could have done a little bit more development. You're not Siskel and Eber here. This is not a consumer deal. It is a body that you're committed to, right? And so if you believe what we're doing as a church and you believe we're being obedient to Scripture and you believe we're accomplishing the mission, then we would say, get on it with us. And here, here's, really, here's another, really the biggest reason maybe we do church membership. It's because apart from church membership, church discipline is impossible. Church discipline is impossible. The church is called to discipline its own when there is, when there is active rebellion. I mean, when there is blatant sin that is evident and people see it. I mean, and I'm not talking about you go, you know, somebody's following you around. Oh, he went to Best Buy. I think he's buying a PC. The elders better move in. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone's having an affair and they're blatant about it. I'm talking about somebody is in, in rebellion. They're going to leave their, their spouse and their kids and go off with this guy. Whatever it is, it's, it's public, it's, it's sin, it's unrepentant. And it's bringing the name of Jesus and dragging him through the mud. It is the job of the church to deal with that guy. And this is Jesus' words, not mine. Jesus says this, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him. If he listens, you have gained your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to them, let him be as a Gentile and a tax collector. I mean, there's a process of a brother goes and then more than one and then the elders go and then, we, and then we get to a point where this person's in rebellion, they're not listening. Jesus says, get them out. That's what happens in 1 Corinthians 5. You have a guy having an affair with his stepmom and Paul says, get him out. And, and it's not to be mean. It's to restore the guy. It's to the guy, remember, there's only one church in town and so now he has no fellowship with anybody until he's kicked out. And so now it's, oh, he, he wants to come back because it's the only place he's loved. It's, a, it's an act of grace and mercy on the person's soul. That's the point of any discipline. And look, this is going on at all levels all the time. I'm not, we don't, rarely, I think one time we've even said anything in front of the church. But I got people coming and speaking to me. I mean, the other day, Rad brings me to the office. You're doing this, this is not good. All right. You need to do better in this area right here. Okay. It's for my good. Right, that's, that's in, a, in a minor way, that's just correcting each other and loving each other. And so that's what we do, right? And that's what we're called to do. But here's the point. I mean, don't lose a tree in the middle forest. If there is a way out, there's gotta be a way in. If, if Paul's saying, get him out, then there has to be some sort of way in. And so church membership matters. And if some of you have been dragging your feet on this, I know, right? Your opportunities are coming up. But if these two wires, the ships, the leadership and the membership aren't hooked up, then we're, then we're lost. We're not, we're not gonna be going much, very far. It's so vital. I was watching Karate Kid last week because that's what I do, watch 80s movies. Not really, but and it, it was funny because I'm like, Mr. Miyagi, you are so wise. 
I mean, you were so wise. He tells Daniel's son. He sits Daniel's son right before he's going to start his training. He says, Daniel's son, walk on road. Walk on left side, safe. Walk on right side, safe. Walk middle, sooner or later, quack, get squished, just like grape. He says, here, karate. Same thing. Either karate, yes, or karate, no. Karate, I guess so, quack, just like grape. Like, yes, Mr. Miyagi, that is what I'm talking about. Either commit or don't, but don't walk the middle. Look, and if this is not the church for you, we will, I'll tell you, I know all the pastors pretty much that are preaching the gospel in this town. I will find you the church that's best for you. I will, I will help you the best I can. But if this is your place and this is where you're coming, then come on. Let, let, let's do it together. Take the next step, right, to, to, to join this church. And it's not so that we can fill a role. We don't have a role. We have a website. I don't even know how many This is not so we feel good about ourselves, but it is enables us to shepherd you well or better and to know who's coming and to know who's doing what and to encourage you. And here's what the process looks like for us. And I'm already over, but so I'll be quick. We have, the first process for us is, is a class called the Start Here class. Right? It's just a class. Basically, you start here, and it's, you have to get to hear some of this stuff. You get to meet all the elders. You get to meet all the staff. You get to ask questions. All right, it is in two weeks, January 31st. It's immediately following the second service. We will feed you and we have childcare. We're making it as easy as we can do for you guys. Right after second service in the coffee area and maybe in this room because we already have 80 people signed up, which is awesome. But we'd love to have more if this is the next step for you. After that, if you feel like, yes, this is the church I wanna join, we will set up an elder or pastor meeting with you. Right, where we sit down and we just wanna hear your story but there's, we want to explain to you what it means to commit yourself to this local body. We want to, number one, hear your, your conversion story. How did you come to faith in Jesus? We want to hear that you understand the gospel. We want to make sure you can't be part of the local church if you're not part of the universal church. So it's a chance for us to just hear what God is doing in your life. Secondly, we're going to explain to you uh, what it really means to, to commit to this church. That you agree with the foundational doctrinal statements of this church. Right? Now, if you read our doctrinal statement, it's online, we can get it to you. It's very orthodox and very simplistic. You, if you ever, by the way, go to a church and they have no doctrinal statement, you ought to be wary. If you ever go to a church that has a 103-page doctrinal statement, you ought to be wary. All right? Our, well, we, our doctrinal statement is very vanilla, but it is very orthodox. It's what the church has been believing for 2,000 years. We have things here that we hold with an open hand. We have things that we hold with a closed fist. Those things in our foundational statement, those are closed. The virgin birth, Jesus is God. Salvation is only through Christ and through him alone. Things like that, right? You wanna talk about, you know, should I, eat, should I you know, have bacon every meal and should I have a glass of wine with my fish and should I, you know, low my lawn on Saturday, Sunday afternoon? That's open hand issues. But these things we will not, we will not, um, bend on and so we need to understand that you understand that and that you are, are not going to cause division there and then that you next are going to agree to commit here to be in unity here and to pursue the core values of what we believe a disciple is we talk about follower what does a follower do we have five things I don't have time to go through them you can go and look at them on the website preached a sermon two years ago about this it's on the website we have five elements or, or core values of a disciple we call them specs S P E C S. Number one is scripture, that you are going to place yourself under the authority of scripture. Scripture says this, your life is going this way. You don't change scripture, you change your life. We don't redefine marriage just because Madonna thinks it's a good idea. 
We, Jesus creates it, he decides. Okay, so we follow Jesus. That's the, what I'm talking about. When scripture speaks, we follow it. Prayer, where you are connected to God through communication and prayer, that you're pursuing God actively. This is what a follower does. A follower is engaged. And what it is is that we want you not at the church all the time. We want you engaged out in Savannah. And we'll talk about more of this next week. We want you coaching soccer teams. We want you in Rotary. We want you in all these places so that you are letting your light shine. We want you to be purposeful. We want you hunting with your buddies. We want you playing golf with these guys over here. We want you to go into this coffee with this person because we are supposed to reach people. We're not supposed to hide. Oh, the world's so bad. All right? You're in community. You're, you, you have and are connected to the body, not just on a Sunday morning. So essential. We provide community groups, and I know, oh, they're all full. They're not all full. I just talked to a bunch of leaders this week. I got three groups within five minutes of downtown that have openings right now. I got one in Sandfly, I got one in Mayfair, and I got one in Midtown, whatever that is. I don't know. But if you want to know, you want a community group, you, you email David Cleland today. And, and, and here's what happens often. And, and is it, you know, you, oh, yeah, you, the spirit's moving. You want to get in a community group. You fill it out. You put it in the box. Community group leader calls you, and you don't call him back. Or you get one ring, and you're like, oh, he didn't answer. And then he kind of lets go. It's cold. Don't let that happen. If the guy ain't call you back, you call us and say, he ain't calling me back, and we'll, we'll go beat him up. Because <laughs> that's his job, to call you back. All right? But, hey, you're connected in some way in community. And, and finally, that you're stewarding your resources and gifts for the kingdom. That go up there? There it is. Like you're serving. Like the, the goal here is for you to be in some place of small ministry service on Sunday. Serve one and then attend one. That's the ideal. Right? That you're serving one, attending one, but then, then you're using God's gifts that he's given you money, finances, time, whatever it is, for his kingdom. And, and we'd, we'd ask you to do that. Look, I know I'm over, but that's because the singing went over, not because of me. I can tell you right now because I'm looking at the clock. 45 minutes. Right? It's not flashy, but I'll tell you what, it makes the car run. Leadership, membership. What is the next step for you? Maybe it's start here. Maybe you're a member, but you're not plugged in. Maybe you're weak on some of these specs. I don't know what it is. But I can tell you this. You are vital to the body. The hand cannot say to the head, I have no need for you. The eye cannot say to the ear, I don't need you. You think I'm just a one little guy. I'm one little scad student. I'm only gonna be here three years. Well, why you're here for three years? Why don't you connect and commit, Right? You only got nine months left because you're going to be moving to a new base. So for nine months, commit. Right? Makes the car go, y'all. Keeps us from being on the side of the road with the hood up saying what happened. Leadership, membership. Worship guys, come on up. You guys lead us. We pray uh, and we'll worship. And if you are in need of prayer today, I got one, two, three. I got three elders that I see right now. And I'm sure there's more than one because Virgil's hiding because I just slammed him earlier. We come down here and we'll pray for you anytime. We want to do that. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, be glorified, be honored. I pray that your church would function the way it's supposed to um, as we listen and follow you. Uh, make us to be more like your son, Father. Uh, we're not perfect. We don't have perfect leaders. We don't have perfect members. But we want to follow you. So help us in Christ's name. Amen. You guys stand and we'll sing.